Hey there, and welcome to Retail Intel. The Kroger Company was founded in 1883 in Cincinnati, Ohio. Today, they operate close to 2,800 supermarkets throughout the U.S. and considered the third largest retailer in the world. I had the privilege of speaking with corporate real estate manager Don Barnett live at the Phillips Edison annual meeting just a few weeks ago. Don provided tremendous insight on a variety of topics, so let's jump right in. Don is the corporate real estate manager with Kroger, and he's been there for 26 years. So we really, really appreciate Don making the trip on this cold day. Um, so can you give us a little bit, just to get started, give us a little background on how you got started with Kroger? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And I would just want to say that we truly enjoy our relationship with Phillips Edison. You guys are obviously one of our largest landlords, and you've always been very open with us to invite us in meetings that you guys have held to help us have a good experience, to learn more about your thought process, about how you guys evaluate deals, about how you do turnarounds on properties that are struggling. And we have gained a lot of knowledge uh, from Phillips Edison in that, in that partnership type relationship. And uh, when Mike asked me, I was truly honored to be here with you today. And thank you so much for allowing us to be here. Um, like Mike said, I've been with Kroger 26 years. I actually started, uh, our CEO likes to say, you come to Kroger for a job and you stay for a career. And that is me and many, many other people as well. Started in the stores in Mount Sterling, Kentucky as a courtesy clerk or a bagger and kind of worked my way through college. Um, upon graduation, I went into the operations department in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and um, in 1998, uh, Kroger started to do supermarket fuel um, and they needed somebody to come in the real estate department and I was fortunate enough to interview for that job and I've uh, been in real estate ever since and extremely blessed and thankful to do so. Uh, down in Nashville for a period of about five years and then I've been in Cincinnati at our corporate headquarters for the past 12 and a half years. Uh, basically manage our company-owned uh, real estate portfolio. We own 55 shopping centers. We obviously have a lot of surplus and excess properties, out parcels, surplus land. All of that kind of my team reports up and we're trying to be in charge of, of disposing and getting the maximum revenue. So in a lot of ways, um, one of the reasons I look up to Phillips Edison so much is in a lot of ways I try to mirror a lot of what you guys do on a daily basis, obviously on a much smaller scale. Uh, but we try to think of ourselves as a real estate company at, at the real, in, within Kroger. Sounds good, thanks. Um, so let's jump right into a few questions. So you guys have done, Kroger, you've done a great job with localizing a lot of your stores that I've noticed lately, whether it's, you know, it started probably with Grater's Ice Cream and Eli's Barbecue is a good example. You've opened up the kitchen, 1883 in your uh, Northern Kentucky location. I know this audience would probably like to hear a little bit about the downtown, you know, your downtown new store that you're currently building. Sure, thanks, um, and to Mike's point, that obviously uh, we want to have that local community connection and so being able to offer local uh, restaurants and other retailers that the, that the customer knows and being able to have that kind of true one-stop shop I mean we think traditionally grocery is thought about market share of dry goods or market share of traditional grocery items and we really try to flip the paradigm to think of share of stomach and so whether or not you want to come in for lunch and be able to choose from a local eatery like Eli's barbecue or, any, or some of the other really hot concepts in the local market. We want to be able to have you think of Kroger in that way. So when you think about food, you think about Kroger. And so a lot of that plays into what we're doing in a lot of our new downtown stores. We've got three under construction, one that's uh, very close to getting finalized in Phoenix. 
We've got one under construction in Atlanta, and then obviously one under construction in downtown Cincinnati, and we're super excited about that one. Um, it's part of an 18-story development. The first two floors will be retail, that's our store. Um, the next seven floors will be garage parking, and then above that we'll have nine stories of residential. There'll be 177 residential units, and so that's really important for us. Obviously, it's in the area of Cincinnati, uh, right, right bordering on what they call the OTR area, which is a huge burgeoning redevelopment area. And we're right on the streetcar line, so there's a lot of really key drivers and factors that led to our selection of that site, and obviously, not the least of which is in the shadow of our corporate headquarters building, so I pity the store manager there, but um, right. but, but it will be a very exciting store, and he's gonna have a lot, he or she's gonna have a lot of help, uh, for sure, but um, obviously that's gonna be a very, so the first floor will be a very urban grocery store, and it's going to be tailored toward that urban shopper who's just doing what, they're do, what they daily needs, shopping. And so a heavy emphasis on prepared and ready-to-eat foods. Um, a lot of what you might see in um, our Clifton store that you guys visited with us, some of your innovation team visited with us this year. So a lot of things, things about ready-to-eat, those kind of things. So we'll really try to drive lunch business into that. Um, so that'll be about 20,000 square feet on the first floor. On the second floor is a little bit more maybe what Mike is alluding to. We'll have our traditional full beer and wine selection up on the second floor. So that's to take home shopping, that kind of thing, consume off-premises. We'll also have a full um, restaurant-style bar area up there for full, full bar, all mixed drinks, whatever the case may be for that. And again, it's intended to be a community gathering space, uh, people to be able to do, to be able to use that as, you know, the gathering spot, watch the games on Sunday, all of that kind of stuff in that area. And then the last area is our first food hall. And we're actually going to have six spaces built out for food vendors. Uh, Kroger will supply the space, Kroger will supply most of the equipment, and the idea is that we'll bring in six of the really hot concept local food people to come in and really try to drive that lunch business, drive that share of stomach. And so the thought process behind that is, again, they'll, they'll probably pay us a percentage of rent or those kind of things. We're still working out the details on exactly how that may work, but the idea is just to really th have people think about it. Our vision at Kroger is to serve America through food inspiration and uplift. And so we really believe that this whole thing around food and the foodie culture is something that we can really tap into and be a leader on. And I think this food hall is something that we're really excited about it. So those six people will come in. Um, if we have a really hot concept, they will stay with us as long as they're producing and they're happy and we're happy. If we need to make a change and get some new fresh innovation in there and get new items in there, we're happy to do that as well. So I think you'll see some of that offerings kind of turn and I think you guys have seen a lot of the food all concepts so we're excited to bring that to downtown Cincinnati as well. And then one other thing I, I wanted to say that they, is kind of a, at least Starbucks is telling us that this will be the first ever Starbucks in the whole line that has an exterior walk-up window. So you'd be able to, even when the store's not operating, to be able to come wide up to the window, order your Starbucks from street level and be able to go. And evidently that's going to be the first one in all of Starbucks to be able to do that. So pretty Sounds cool. great. Yeah. So it was announced that um, one of the Ocado warehouses will be in Monroe, just north of Cincinnati. So can you explain to the group exactly what Ocado is and your acquisition? and how you, you plan to utilize the technology. Sure, I would just say like Amory talked a lot about innovation and for Kroger, for us to go from a traditional grocery company to a growth company and we have to think about 
um, in the areas of innovation, where does it make sense for us to try to innovate on our own and where does it make sense for us to find a partner? And you'll see as we talk a lot today, we found a lot of different people that we're partnering with. Um, in this case, obviously, Okado, uh, which is a, uh, a UK-based company. Um, they started about 12 years ago. Um, they now have what four of those warehouses with it that they call sheds. Um, and they are a pure play, internet-based, uh, delivery-only uh, grocery retailer. And they have now, we estimate that they have about 12% market share in the in UK. Um, so obviously, uh, the benefits to Kroger, where we could probably try to duplicate this technology. Um, Okado could certainly try to come to the United States and duplicate some of the things that they're doing in the UK. But the combined power of our existing logistics network and buying power, um, combined with obviously that technology that you just saw made it sense that we thought we could get to market four to five years earlier by partnering with Ocado in this particular instance. We've already announced the first location in Monroe, Ohio. Each one of those sheds is about 300,000 square feet. And the really cool thing that, you know, hopefully you'll be able to see, but, you know, case pick technology at the warehouse level has been around for a long time. We've been able to use automation to fulfill orders at the warehouse level by doing case pick. But the really cool and amazing technology that Okado brings to the day was to be able to do the item pick. So all the way down to the individual bottle of ketchup, placing that in the right bag in the right order, getting it ready to go out for distribution. That's the real game changer for us, and we're really super excited about what that will do. Our first location has been announced in Monroe, Ohio. Uh, we're planning to announce uh, two other locations probably within the next month or so. And uh, the real amazing thing is that Okada is going to now enable uh, Kroger to serve 100% of the U.S. population. Obviously, the first location is in a market that we, that we have a lot of stores in Cincinnati and Ohio. Uh, we'll do another location that probably has, uh, where we do have a presence, but not as large as Ohio. And then the third location that we're going to announce is in a market that we don't even currently serve. And so we're going to really test those out and really see how each one of those go. But we're super excited about trying to see um, what the customer acceptance of that will be. And, and um, so that, um, the other thing I wanted to mention was each one of those sheds will also be serviced by spokes. Spokes are 30,000 square feet ambient temperature cross-dock facilities that will be located within a four-hour drive distance of the Okado shed. So if you think about the Monroe, Ohio location, we would definitely have spokes in Columbus, Louisville, Indianapolis, Lexington. And so those areas will be the area where we'll take the shipments from the direct uh, shed, take it to the spoke, and then do the direct home delivery from that shed area. I've just got one more question. I'd love to open it up to some other questions out there, but um, I thought it'd be interesting. I saw in the news that Kroger and Microsoft just partnered up on some smart store technology. So could you expand on what that means? I will do my best on that as well. Um, you know, obviously, I think a lot of us have heard of SaaS or software as a service. Uh, the Kroger-Microsoft partnership is really to try to redefine that as retail as a service. It's to try to fundamentally change. And a lot of the ways that Anne-Marie talked about earlier, that personalized uh, shopping experience, being able to think of, of the, redefining that in ways that we can interact with the customers in ways that were never previously thought of. Um, I will tell you that, that for the customer level, Kroger will get a lot of benefits out of this. There, obviously, there's a huge amount of data that we'll be able to achieve out of 
out of this. It'll make our, make our website and our app that much more interactive. But for the customer experience, a couple of things that really stand out are, are the shelf edge technology. And uh, we're testing that now in two stores, another store in Monroe, Ohio, a store in Redmond, Washington. And these are digital shelf tags that will allow for personalized shopping experience. So as you go down an aisle, a um, couple of things. Number one, it may prompt you to give a personalized coupon or an offer on a product. It will also, if you have your shopping list downloaded to the Kroger app, it will actually, um, the icon will come on the little shelf tag that would be able to help you easily identify where the item that you're looking for is located. So you'll select an item such as a pumpkin or an orange and it'll actually appear on the shelf tag so that help as you're scanning around to find which exact spice that I'm looking for, it'll be able to find, help you find that. Um, and then uh, the other thing is that obviously you think about all the manual labor that goes involved with Kroger changing all those price tags each and every week. Um, obviously now we'll be able to electronically change those. We'll be able to change them much more frequently and be able to reactive to the market and move up and down as needed on that kind of, uh, as far as all that goes. And then the other real cool benefit of that shelf edge technology is think about our click list in-store shoppers. Um, those, though, as they try to go around, it'll help them identify, but the tags will actually flash for them as they go up and down the aisle. Um, so they'll be able to do that. So you'll be able to do, do interact with the Shelf Edge technology either through the Kroger app or with the Scan Bag Go machine that a lot of our stores have. And it'll also obviously prompt you through the app or through that um, through the Scan Bag Go device to be able to tell you, okay, this is the item you picked. Your next item is in aisle four that's on your list, or your next item is in aisle ten. So it's really it's that whole interactive process. And obviously Kroger will be gaining. Think about the insights that we'll be able to see as our customers move through the store, being able to understand that. Another huge part of this is think about with our 2,800 stores, we have over 9 million customers in our stores each and every day. There's a huge amount of power in that transactional volume for the CPGs to want to be able to advertise. So if you think about um, the cereal companies wanting to be able to directly promote and advertise their product to the consumer while they're in the aisle making at that decision point. Uh, we really believe that there's a huge untapped revenue source for Kroger around this technology and we believe it has a lot of impact for not only Kroger but other retailers. So I think that uh, between what we'll be able to generate in ad revenue ourselves, and then we'll be able to sell this technology to other retailers, um, we're really excited about where we're going to move um, in this whole area of what we call alternative profits. Can you give us your opinion on grocery delivery? You know, basically our mantra is that we want to be able to serve and reach America anytime, anywhere, any place. We want to be able to meet the customer where they're at. So if delivery is something that they want to be, that they prefer to do, um, we want to be able to offer that to them. So, I mean, obviously it does really struggle to make money. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But there's a lot of things in the grocery store that we struggle to make money. Quite frankly, the deli departments don't make money, but we would never build a store without a deli department. So as we think about going to market, we think of it larger than individual components that may not individually make money, but they all relate to the overall shopping experience. How do we connect with that customer? And so, you know, I would say between Instacart, Uber, uh, obviously Ocado, 
Uh, we're, we're playing in that market and we intend to be in that Kroger ship market. And I think it's something that's important to us. Um, hopefully we can figure out the logistics and make it where it's not as much of a burden on operations. But the reality is um, if we're gonna be relevant with Amazon, with Walmart, with all the other big players that will still be standing, we do believe that's something that has to be part of our future. We now have, have over a thousand locations with ClickList. Um, and that has absolutely been a huge home run for us. Again, in, individually, um, as you might think about it, the, the small fee that we charge for doing that probably doesn't necessarily cover the incremental cost of that. But what we found is those customers are more loyal to Kroger and their average spend with us over a year is, is considerably more. So they're high premium shoppers to us. And so we really look at that not on an individual basis order level, but on the whole consumer level. Our estimated sales in 2018 for digital were about five billion. We expect that to double in 2019. So it is a huge play for us. And um, I think it goes without saying, and it goes back to the partnership that we've had with Phillips Edison. And you guys have been great with us on getting the click list of the approvals that we need to modify common areas to be able to facilitate that. And I would just tell you that the locations you should be worried about are locations where we're not asking for that. Uh, so that is something that we really need to have. It's part of our strategy, it's part of our go-to-market, and it's a huge driver of our business. How's Kroger reacted or what changes have impacted Kroger since Amazon took on Whole Foods? And I would tell you that Quite frankly, I think rightfully so, and, and I'm grateful that the fact that our senior executive team was kind of thinking ahead, and I think they anticipated Amazon to get in the physical store realm. Um, our acquisition of Harris Teeter, obviously that's a great uh, brand, and they bring a lot to the table in regards to merchandising and operations. But the true value that we did that in 2014 was they were way ahead of us as it relates to digital. And so what we really gained out of that transaction more than anything else was we were able to ramp up our digital efforts much more quickly. So over the next five years, more concerned about Walmart or Amazon. And I, would, I mean, I think what, what Rodney would say is that we, we try to worry about ourselves, right? Are we meeting the customer where they're at? Obviously, um, the reality is we believe that um, if you think about share stomach and, and how many billions of trillions of dollars are spent on food annually, we believe there's plenty of room for three major players in the United States. Um, and we certainly believe, and rightfully so, that Walmart will be one and Amazon will be one. But we're bound and determined that Kroger will be that third major player in the United States is around food. And I think that's kind of where we, where we see ourselves moving forward. Using Cincinnati um, as an example, and your Ocado partnership, how do you see the shed in Monroe and a future spoke in Cincinnati impacting your brick and mortar strategy and your uses for those stores um, and how those two interact on a go forward basis? You know, I think we don't truly know the answer to that today. Um, certainly, um, obviously, as we introduce those uh, online sales to the marketplace, we'll have to read and react and we'll continue to do market rationalization across every market that we serve as we already do today. You know, we truly don't know and don't know yet how to forecast exactly what we think the true impact will be and what the trade-off will be. And then quite frankly, 
um, how we're going to treat those sales on store. You know, obviously all of our click list store sales today go through the store. Um, I think that they're, you know, still making that decision on how to treat the Ocado uh, sales as it relates to the physical stores. But, um, you know, the, I guess the truth is we'll have to wait and see kind of how that kind of plays out. But obviously we do expect there'll be some impact. But again, um, we like to think of it as th those are probably incremental dollars that we're not getting today. It's probably where the biggest play is. And so if you think about Amazon and Walmart and their whole shipping uh, and everything that they've kind of built up, we believe we should be able to get into that market and still some of that share too. And so incrementally, does it have some impact on brick and mortar? I'm sure that it will, but really it's that incremental dollar that we're really after and we think we can get. Yeah, I'd love to hear some more about the autonomous vehicle delivery that you guys have just uh, rolled out. Yeah, so as we think about all the different ways that we do Kroger ship, which is all of our delivery methods, Instacart, and so on. Um, obviously, in Phoenix, we're partnering with a company called Nero, which does driverless cars. Uh, we've actually been on the road now for, I think, a couple of months, um, testing that whole uh, ability to be able to actually uh, bring it right to your doorstep through, uh, through the driverless car, which will pull up curbside. And, you know, I think that these are all things that, as an innovative company, as a growth company, I think that we'll just have to test that out and see if it really uh, is something that our customers want and that we'll be able to expand upon. But it's a really cool concept. Um, I think it's, it's been able to, uh, it's enabled us to really kind of be a leader in that whole Scottsdale area and kind of people want to try it out and think it's cool. So uh, ultimately, we'll just have to see how it plays out. We've only had it for a couple months. And I think so far, the adoption's been been pretty good. There's a lot of newness factor to it. But I think, again, we're, we're trying to experiment with a multitude of, of ways to reach that consumer. We'll pick the winners and move forward with those. With the losers, we'll just go on and keep on innovating. Do you ever see the spoke becoming a part of a retail center? I don't think so. Uh, we, we don't anticipate those. Now, um, I don't want to get too far into the details, but the spokes would not be part of our retail center. Those would be more of an industrial type zoning, maybe a flex type zoning or whatever, and not necessarily in a retail environment. Um, we do have something called a micro fulfillment center, and those will be probably located more so in, um, in retail strips and those kind of things, and they may accompany one of our stores. In fact, you know, as you think about our stores today, and as we think about market rationalization, maybe we should think about our stores that are 130,000 square feet. Maybe we should take 10 to 20,000 square feet of that and think about it differently than we do today and think, take some of our non-productive uh, GLA out of that mix and move it into a way where we could actually serve that whole shipping environment as well, too. So I think those are some of the things that we'll look at, but um, I hope that answered your question. What are some of your favorite retail uses that complement some of your locations? And also, as you look out five, six years from now, besides Kroger, Walmart, Amazon, what other grocers out there do you like and think have long-term staying power? Sure. As it relates to tenant mix, I mean, obviously, we're neighbor grocery anchored retail. And so a lot of what we really try to think about is that is that community one-stop shopping and more we obviously love a lot of the service type tenants so we love the hair cutters the nail salons um, those kinds of things are really something that we really look at and then you know obviously for us as well as you guys restaurants have become the, the co-anchor with us and so we really look for high quality 
restaurants to come in with us. And certainly, as I think about Sheriff's Stomach, you can think about that a little, a, a number of different ways. And obviously, as I mentioned earlier, Kroger's in the food hall business, or will be. And so, you know, they're competition, but at the same time, it builds that synergistic of being able to come to this center and think about having a great meal and getting some stuff for home. And you might get some inspiration from the great restaurant to go try that recipe at home. And, and all those things kind of tie in together. So I would tell you like, and then, um, you know, something that we really haven't thought of a lot previously and something, you know, that, that is fitness centers. Um, obviously, with the emergence of, of, as you showed earlier, Orange Theory and those kinds of tenants, we found those to be great co-tenants with us as well. Um, they're not heavy parkers. We kind of move that parking around, and a lot of people like to come in and do their daily shopping either before or after their workout. So those are some of the key categories that we do. As far as other grocery retailers that we really admire, well, there's a ton, but um, there, there's two that really kind of stand out in my mind that I think are, are great uh, long-term players, and that's Publix and HEB. Um, both of them, uh, you know, have strong territories and strong market areas. I think they do an excellent job in service and connecting with the customer. And um, in a lot of ways, they're best in class. So I, we really admire a lot of, there's a lot of great operators out there, and I'm sure I'm leaving a few out. But if you ask me to pick a couple that I'd be willing to bet on the long haul, it would be HEB and Publix. Thanks a lot, Don, for coming. I really appreciate it. We look forward to continue, continued success with Kroger and Pico. Thank you. Thanks so much to Don Barnett and the Kroger Company. Definitely look forward to mutual growth and continued success. If you have any questions or comments, don't hesitate to email me directly at mconway at philipsedison.com. Thanks and stay tuned for more episodes.